Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. We sped up the natural cycle of life and death. I hate the expression you just said that with. Guys, be grateful this isn't a video podcast, because that was terrifying. Welcome to Kid Nation. Oh boy. Uh, This ran in the fall of 2007 on CBS. It was a 13-episode run. This episode will cover episodes one through seven. Yes, so if you want to play along at home, watch the first seven episodes. They will be linked down in the description below. And uh, we got to jump right into this, so let's start by pouring one out. What do you got there, Lara? I have a barrel of hot cocoa Aww. that I made in the microwave. Very nice. In my Pioneer microwave, <laughs> which is a regular microwave that we taped wood paneling on. Yeah, that's a little timing. dirty. Is it good? It's, you know, it probably tastes pretty screen accurate because this is, uh, I found this in the pantry and it was from last Christmas. <laughs> so, yeah. It's Sounds actually good. like a nice peppermint hot chocolate has little fake marshmallows. What do you have there? Uh, I saw this at the uh, the store, and I just was like, this is easy. I have a root beer spiked seltzer. A Stewart's root beer spiked seltzer. In honor of the saloon. Yes, it cost more than a nickel, so I'm a little upset. But Mmm. Rootin' beer. Adult nation. Yes, so we had to get through that as quickly as possible because we have a lot to cover. So let's just jump right on into this. So the first thing we're going to say is that there are 40 children. Yes. We will not be going through all of the contestants the way we usually would for a reality show because one, ain't nobody got time for that. Two, in these first seven episodes, we only get to know about 15 kids. Yeah, and to be honest, like, every episode's kind of set up with, like, here are the kids you care about and a few other kids that we are going to spotlight for this episode that you can then forget immediately. Let's talk about this opening. Okay. So, they're all on a school bus. Yes. And they're being driven out into the middle of the desert. Mm Mm-hmm. And you point out this, the host says something like, Kids from all over. You have rich kids. You have city kids, and they focus on a kid. You have country kids, and they focus on another kid. You have rich kids, they focus on a third kid. And poor kids, and they focus on a wide shot of the bus. Yeah, I was like, oh, you didn't want to spotlight the poor kid, huh? Which I think was a good call. Yes. Because, like, could you imagine... (laughs) Being the poor kid? Going back to school and being the poor kid? You're the poor kid, huh? I'm not going to be with my parents. There's no adults. And I think I'm going to die out here because there's nothing. Yes, the first kids we meet are Jimmy and Mallory, who are both eight years old. Because the youngest is eight and the oldest is 15. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy and Mallory are those youngest. And both of them express some concerns about their, their welfare out in the desert. Yes, so they don't have high hopes of their own survival going into this, which is a weird thing to... My next note, 
This is 40 days long. It's 40 days long. They're going to be spending 40 days, one day for each kid, out in the desert, which is longer than Survivor. With And like zero contact with their parents. These are all minor children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they receive zero regular contact with their parents. Yeah. Contact with your parents is a prize. Yes. So 36 of these kids are standing out in the desert. Yes. And they meet Jonathan, the host. The host, who informs them that they are going to have to pack up all the things that are near them, which include, like, animals and supplies. Yeah. And take it to the town of Bonanza. And he says, pack it up, pack it in, and let's begin. The start of this show plagiarizes House of Pain's Jump Around for no reason? A song they definitely know. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. Get out to seat and jump around. Jump around. Uh, would it surprise you to know the kids don't love Jonathan? No, it does not surprise me. My first note is this show starts with 40 kids and a douchebag. Yes. That is the first thing I have written down in this notebook. Because I will say, I have extensive... I'm, I'm going to set this up now because I'm actually... Yeah, set it up. I'm going to be weaving things throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia, one of the contestants, has a book. Yes. And I've been trying to reach out to Olivia, actually. I haven't gotten in touch with her yet. And she has a book called Stronger Than You Think. Mm -hmm. And it's about her and her little sister Mallory's experiences. So we're going to be mentioning Olivia. Experiences on Kid Nation, right? It's not like just their entire biography. And then another boy named Michael did an extensive AMA on Reddit. Yes. So Olivia and Michael are characters, were characters, children, we're going to hear a lot of their point of view from. Yes, because we have the research. Yes, we have the research. Now, we might have something else in the works. We're hoping to reach out to a contestant and be able to do an interview later, but that would be after these two episodes. Right. So then... A helicopter appears. A helicopter appears, and like, this is the town council. These are the special kids. They're going to be in charge. We have no reason why these kids are in charge. Nope. They're just like, we're just informed that for some reason these kids got to fly in a helicopter and be in charge of the other kids. Yeah, we have no, they are attempted to be representative of the kids. That's the yes. defense we're given. And it's an 11-year-old Boy Scout named Mike. Yes. A 10-year-old pageant queen named Taylor. Uh, student council president Laurel, who is also 12. And 12-year-old Anjay. Who is a dweeb. Yeah, so let's just real quickly break down the fact that this doesn't work with kids as reality shows. Because usually, with reality shows, it's kind of hard to keep track of names. Yeah. So usually you're like, oh, what's his name? The lawyer teamed up with the used car salesman and, you know, they voted out the teacher. But kids don't have jobs. Kids don't have jobs. So it's just like, yeah, this is the student council president. And the Boy Scout. <laughs> it's like, there's not there's not going to be enough. Like, I'm surprised the rest of the show wasn't, like, littered with, like, the gamer, the cheerleader. Now, uh, I read something, I read an interview with Anjay where he mm-hmm. talks about clearly feeling stereotyped. Yes. Of clearly, like, he is a South Asian nerd. Yes. And he was clearly cast based on that. Mm-hmm. And, like, Taylor is clearly kind of set up to be a mean girl. 
Yes. Because she's the pageant queen. Mm-hmm. And then Mike and Laurel are the other two leaders who Mike. are kind of at this point led to believe will be competent. Oh, I disagree completely. Really? Mike shows up dressed as an evil cowboy. He gets off the helicopter and he's got a black hat on and he's got like a black denim or like suede coat. And it's like, oh my God, this evil cowboy just showed up out of nowhere. He, I think Mike is immediately set up to be a jerk. The kids are not impressed with their leadership and uh, they are immediately put to work. The goats escape immediately. Yes. But before they really set out on their journey, Jonathan takes the council aside and tells them that every few days they will get to choose a special pioneer. They use the word pioneer instead of contestant most of the time. Mm. For, and they will get to have a gold star worth $20,000. Every three to four days, there is a town hall meeting. And that is the only time during which... A child can quit. Yes. This, to me, is a way of controlling them to make sure they don't just suddenly quit. Mm -hmm. Like, you can only quit on Wednesday. Like, is this weird way of kind of imprisoning them in the show? Yes. Because there are kids that clearly just want to quit immediately. And they're like, okay, well, hang around for another two days. And then we'll think about it. It's like, no, this kid wants to leave. We're going to, let's get into this more when it comes up. Okay. Like, let's get into this mechanic, because I want to talk about this a lot when we actually get to it. Okay. A kid is immediately injured. He gets a muscle cramp in his leg. Yes. Uh, which, uh, one of the pioneers, Michael, in his AMA, pretty much calls this kid out for faking. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so Greg lifts the kid, DK, onto the wagon. Greg is the biggest, baddest kid. Yeah, he's, he's the 15. oldest. He's 15. He has braces. Yeah. Like, he's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> and he is clearly set up to be, like, kind of the bully. I mean, he clashes with Mike immediately. At first, not, because he's the only one dragging the wagon. Yes. And Mike is just going, everyone, come on, let's go. And everyone else is like, you're not working. He's like, yes, I am. I'm telling you all to go. And Greg's like, all right, push this cart. And he just stops and he makes Mike prove himself. And Mike can't, because he's smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He's trying to put Mike in his place because Mike is an evil cowboy. I didn't catch the evil cowboy. Mike's a brat. Mike's a city slicker. Mike looks like when you go when you go to a ranch, but you're like not really someone who belongs yeah. there, and you buy all new clothes for it. He doesn't look evil. He looks like a brat. He looks like an evil cat. It's it's all black. Like, and I don't believe it's his own clothing. Mm-mm. I think someone dressed him like an evil cowboy. So they get to town finally, and town is gross. Yes. Like, town is ramshackle, it hasn't been maintained, and it immediately, like, turns... I I have the next note, it immediately turns gendered. Yeah. Like, the girls immediately start doing, like, women's work. They, They immediately start cooking. Yes. Which makes me scream, because, like, not only are they cooking, but they don't have, like... A stove that, like, you have in your kitchen. They're, like, lighting wood on fire. It's a wood stove. Yeah. So, like, the first thing that these children are doing is playing with fire. Oh, absolutely. Uh, My next note is, the Boy Scout is singularly irritating. I don't know what Mike did to deserve that note, but he's really annoying. He's an evil cowboy. This this show puts you in the position of having to go, I hate this child. Yes. Way more often than you're comfortable with. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so they're trying to make pasta, but they don't put enough water. They put way too much pasta in the pot. Yeah. And it's this overcooked, gross, gluey pasta. Yeah. Because like a girl tosses some out and her name is Sophia. Mm -hmm. She steps up to kind of be the kitchen captain. Yes. And it, it gets pretty late. And they make horrible mac and cheese. Yeah. Meanwhile, Taylor, uh, one of the council members, the pageant queen, is already homesick. And she is crying. Cry count. One. Yes. We, I'm going to spoil this. We give up on counting kids crying. I make a joke. In the pilot. I make a joke. I was like, I'm going to take a drink every time I see a kid crying. By the second episode, I was like, I'm not going to be able to talk intelligently about this show if I keep drinking. Mike decide. Mike the Boy Scout tries to have a town council meeting. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to sleep and just blows it off. And uh, Council Mike cries in frustration. Yes. Number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, get, we get to the next morning. Now, something I want to point out here. Uh, this whole second day, in reality, is a wash. Uh, 15 of these 40 kids get altitude sickness and spend most of the first night violently ill in the one outhouse. Oh my God, really? 15 of these children are violently ill on the first night. Oh my God. Including Olivia, which is, this was in Olivia's book. Yeah. And they said a lot of them sleep for most of the second day. Wow. Because they're just, they're ill. Interesting. <laughs> we see a montage of some kids trying to like. That's not in the show. Just the no, to point that no, out. that's only in the book. Yeah, we see Sophia, who is the de facto kitchen captain, captain, making pancakes. However, pancakes are a pain to cook for a few people. Yeah, making them for forty people takes forever. Yeah, because you can only make them like one at a time. Like they don't have a griddle. No, and. They, they make enough for everyone to get one pancake, and some people take too many, and some of the kids don't get enough to eat. Yeah. J- they, they introduce this character of Jared, who is a very quirky seven-year-old, who I guess woke up late. Eight or nine, because the youngest kids are eight. Oh, you're right. So there's no way Jared's only seven. Sorry. He's probably nine. Uh, he rolls up, and he's just like... I don't see any food. No food. When we say one pancake a piece, you need to take one pancake a piece. Some people didn't get pancakes. I didn't get any pancakes. And it's always the little kids, you know, the little eight-year-olds who don't get any food. It's not fair, though. And some people, some of the kids just don't care. And, like, they're children. They've never had to cook for themselves before. So, like, there's a scene where they've decided they are hungry. So they start a countdown. Mm-hmm. Thinking, like, oh, food will appear by the end of the countdown. That's the night before. Yeah. yeah. That's the first night they're there. Like... They're so ill-equipped to do what they're doing. And the 15-year-old, Greg, gets into an argument with Council Mike. Yes. He, he tries to tell Mike, you need to get control of the situation. And Mike screams back in his face, that's what I'm doing. And Greg's like, don't scream in my face. And then, like, awkwardly rubs his finger against his lips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is weird. Anjay tries to intervene and say, like, uh, you know, the younger kids can learn from the older kids. He tries to make peace between Greg and Council Mike. Mm -hmm. And then Michael, who is a different person. Yes. Hippie Michael 
steps up and rallies everyone. And everyone, yes. like, chants Michael's name. And everyone just applauds. But, like... Literally, and everyone clapped. But Michael, like, literally was saying the same thing as everyone else. Like, guys, we gotta settle down and work together. Guys, why aren't we working together? And then Michael gets up and goes... representing yourselves this is to prove the kids of all age groups like you guys can actually take control get organized and that you can actually work together cooperatively without grade you guys actually need to listen to your leaders because yes okay they've made a few mistakes this is the second day there's gonna be mistakes okay but you guys really need to think of your job and you need to take control of it and after we do that we'll just become a working machine and we'll just work out a lot better Unbelievable. Uh, it's definitely the law of like hippie Michael is less irritating than uh, the council members. Yeah, I guess it's one of those situations where the council charisma. Yeah, the the council members have also been yelling at you all day. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, oh, it's a person we like now is talking who hasn't been scolding us for a day. And he doesn't come out of a scolding. He goes like, we all need to do this. Me mm. too. And this is the first time we find the Pioneer Journal. The conceit, every reality show has like this conceit, the Tyra male, et cetera, yeah. of, if Tyra male's the first one I thought of. <laughs> Tyra male and others, that's all you had? <laughs> well, I'm thinking all the VH1 reality shows start yeah. with like a the, letter from The Bachelor. The tree male from Survivor, for example. The Tyra male. And the Pioneer Journal is essentially how they introduce that episode's theme. Yes. And the Pioneer Journal is about the original settlers of Bonanza City who failed. Yes. They're adults who failed, so they think these kids are going to do a better job. They're adults who failed at doing the thing the kids are doing, and the kids are getting advice from them. Yeah. Not only are they dead, because it's supposed to be like 1855, but they failed. They're the people you shouldn't be asking. Yes. Like, oh. And the first thing that they say is, you know what you guys need? To be separated from each other. Yeah, so they make they make it into four equal districts of ten kids. Yes, four Hogwarts houses. Yellow, green, red, and blue. And uh, what they end up, they pick like it's dodgeball. Sort of. They, they do get to get, because basically the counselors, or not the counselors, the, the council, yeah. uh, gets to choose and assign the teams. And they basically get together and they're like, let's try to keep friends together. Yeah. And Taylor, who's 11, says... 10. I'm Taylor's 10, only, only 10. 10. Excuse me. Taylor, who's only 10, is like, why don't you give me the littler kids because I'm better at leading them. Because she's 10, and the idea of her being in charge of Greg, who is 15, is confusing. Yes, she takes most of the youngest kids because she is a fairly self-possessed 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. And she's someone they will look up to as a leader in a way that they won't... In a way that, like, Greg won't look up to her as a leader. You're right. Yeah. And they don't know what these teams really entail. Mm -hmm. So... For instance, Laurel, who is the green district, she takes all of the, like, mature, competent kids. She takes Hippie Michael. She takes Kitchen Captain Sophia. She takes all the, like, competent, chill kids. Yes. And 
we're not going to go into who is in what team because it's honestly, too, too many kids. We literally don't know at this yes. point. It's in Olivia's book. Read Olivia's book. Uh, the blue team immediately adopt some of this tribalism and Greg and Blaine. Blaine is Greg's sidekick. Yes. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Kyle because he looks like a Kyle. He looks like a Blaine though. He does. They find blue chalk and start graffitiing the whole town with like blue rules, which is so tame for 15, 14 year olds, but is treated like a war crime. Well, what I love is they, the other teams leave their bunks and they see this graffiti and go, who could have done this? Somebody has graffitied with the chalk all over. You're going to find out who did this. Because this is not okay. <laughs> who could have written blue team rules all over everything? Let's, let's hold a, an investigation. This also reminded me, I don't know, well, it's a little silly, but it reminded me of old school Pokemon Go. Okay. When, like, you would go try to take down a gym and someone had in graffiti written like valor rules. Oh my God. I forgot about that. (laughs) All right, fine. During all this chaos, we lose a kid. Jimmy is found in a corner crying. We also, there's a great moment where little nine-year-old Alex, who is missing like a lot of his baby teeth, calls them juvenile. Oh yes. (laughs) I think it was really, really stupid that they did that. It's juvenile. It's like two-year-old behavior. I, I wonder, I'm going to bring up this kid every time he speaks. Yeah, every Alex time, is incredible. Alex is this very small nine-year-old East Asian boy. Mm-hmm. And he is precocious and adorable beyond. Like, he is very smart, mm-hmm. but he's also very mature beyond his years. Yes. And it's very funny to see one of the youngest looking kids mm-hmm. go, that's very juvenile. Yeah. Because he's not wrong. But it's also very funny to have the nine-year... Also, I'm nine. Yeah. And, like, he's in that age where, like, his limbs are the wrong size for his torso. So he doesn't, like... He's he's got, like, like, a waddle to him. That little, like, gangly nine-year-old. But we gotta talk about how Jimmy is crying and Laurel, like, like, tries to cheer him up. And Jimmy's like... I'm only eight. I'm in a third grader and I don't think I'm... I think I'm too young to be doing this. And he's not wrong. And like... <laughs> we talked about how on the... Uh, <laughs> the Amazing Race, there's that part where uh, a child falls face down. Austin Black, yes. Austin Black falls face down and looks down a camera lens and goes, I need help. And, and an adult stands An adult there. does nothing. In this... A child is lost alone in the corner, and it's just a cameraman being like, mm, no one's finding him. Like, we have no idea how long that kid was crying there. We also get a nice moment for, with Greg. Greg the bully mm-hmm. finds Jimmy and asks Jimmy to be his wingman. Yes. Like, the, and this is kind of this really interesting thing that happens with certain kids, is the show clearly wants them to be one thing, but their own behavior doesn't support it. And it, it they create surprisingly multifaceted... Because they try to show Greg as a bully, but Greg, when it comes to the little kids, mm-hmm. Greg is always kind to the eight and nine-year-olds. Yeah. He never bullies the really little kids, ever. Yeah, Greg is like one of the most complex characters in reality show. Absolutely. Because like he is a bit of a jerk, but he's also like considerate and hardworking. He's your friend's big brother. Yeah. He's mean to your friend, but he's nice to you. 
You know what I mean? Like, he's very, very nice to all of the smaller children through pretty much the entire show thus far. Yeah. Uh, uh, and now we get the first showdown. The first showdown. And let me talk about this douchebag host. It's been two days, right? Yeah. He gets them all together. The first thing he does is go, Jimmy, you're a little quiet over here. How's this on you? You're, you're only eight years old. Are you missing your parents? Yeah. I think we probably all miss our parents, right? Dude! <laughs> and the truth is, alone. All of them? All of them. <laughs> They're in the middle of nowhere. And a lot of these kids have never been this far away from home before. Right. And certainly not for this long. At that age, you've maybe been to grandma's for a few days while, like, mom and dad went to a wedding. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's very weird and twisted. I am terrible with these showdowns of figuring out what the hell is supposed to happen. Okay, I can give you a breakdown. Yeah. They have this large metal thing that's like a metal tower that's mm-hmm. like the thing that you use to drill for oil. They have to move it to their color rusty pipe. And there's a map of which like pipes are theirs. They have to plug their tower into this pipe and then pump it so colored water comes out. But it has to be their district's color. Right. That's why I'm saying with the map, they have to find their yeah. pipes. Catch the water and then fill up the uh, these bottles and then get their device back across the finish line. So there's this issue where like there's four of your pipes on this playing field. You have to find it. And there's a limited amount of water in it. So eventually you'll pump and run out and have to move to a new one. The way this works is if you are the first team to finish, you will be given the role of the upper class, which means you don't have any chores and are paid a dollar in nickels. Yeah. If you come in second, you are the merchants, which means you will work the stores and get 50 cents if you are in third place, you are the cooks, and you'll be given 25 cents. Yep. And if you come in last, you are the laborers, which means you clean toilets. Haul water. Haul water. And do laundry. And do laundry. If they all finish before time runs out, they get a reward. Yeah, as a community. For yes. everyone. What a horrible system this is. I, it's interesting because... The the society up until the showdown is kind of working. Yeah, everyone has fallen into the job they're best at. It's not perfect. Right. But like they're clearly getting the learning curve. Like Sophia's getting better with running the kitchen. Yeah, Sophia's doing a good job running the kitchen, but now they're in a situation where it's like, well, you didn't pump water fast enough. So we're going to take our one of our most vital jobs and give it to an unskilled person. Because yeah. they're better at finding colored water. We're also introducing classism mm-hmm. and discord. And also, like, if you're the laborers, you've come in last. There's also a chance that if you're last, you didn't finish. So not only do you have the worst job with the worst pay, everyone's mad at you. Because you also are the reason you didn't get the reward. Now, they do get the reward in this one. They do. But I want to say, like, if the whole thing about this is every team needs to finish... Mm Mm-hmm. It would have been a much more interesting mechanic. If you could help. If you could help another team. Or if, even if it was just you could help the last team. 
Yeah, just like from like a town perspective, if you finish first, it then makes sense for the rest of your team to now split up and help the other three teams. From a reality show perspective, if the blue team finishes first and they go and help Green, who is in last, and move them to second because they now have double kids. Now red and yellow have a right to be mad at them. It's an interesting reality show story. Like, this this whole thing just, like, lacks in achieving its best potential. Anyway, they do earn the reward, but it's a choice. Yep. You can have one TV, an old-timey TV you can watch whenever you want. Mm Mm-hmm. Or seven more outhouses. Yes. Which would make it an outhouse per five kids instead of one outhouse for 40 kids. For 40 kids kids that people have been throwing up in because they had alcohol or alcohol poisoning. Altitude sickness. Yes. They choose the outhouses. Uh, Yeah, it should be noted that the choice is made by the council alone. Like the other kids can scream, but it is the council's choice. They choose the outhouses. Uh... All of the older kids are happy about the outhouses, but, like, the yellow district, who are mostly the very young children, aren't. Mm-hmm. Because they're not really, like, as thoughtful about creature comforts. Also, Evil Cowboy Mike was like, everyone's kind of bored. It'd be great if we had TVs. Yeah. And everyone else is like, no! What are you talking about? And then, uh, Sophia has a great talking head interview with the kitchen captain. She goes, I feel like a lot of, sometimes I'm just surrounded by a whole lot of dumb people. <laughs> And in this po- moment, I decide Sophia must be protected at all costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia is the star of the show. She's definitely the star of these first episodes, especially. Mm-hmm. She is almost like an audience avatar because she's kind of saying what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So the yellow team... So how it shakes out is the red team is the upper class led by Boy Scout Mike. Mm-hmm. Evil blue, cowboy. Blue is the merchant class led by Anjay. The yellow district, led by Beauty Queen Taylor, are the cooks. Yes. And the green district, led by Laurel, are the laborers. Yes, which is also where Sophia was. Yes. Sophia was the cook, and now she is a laborer. Yes. And the yellow team, uh, the first day, they serve what looks like gruel, but it's actually good. Like, it's oatmeal, and it looks really disgusting, but the kids are favorably surprised by... How good the food is. They're decent cooks despite the fact that they're not big on the cookbook. Yes. Uh, Probably because they're so young they have trouble reading. And uh, the only issue is they refuse to do dishes. Which Green is doing. Yeah. Even though dish duty is specific. The way it works out is you do assign specific kids to specific duties on the team. Right. And dishes are a specific duty. Right. And Green is doing it. We see the saloon. And the dry goods store, which is where the merchants work. Yes. This is, they sell uh, root beer for a nickel. Yep. And a bunch of other things, including a bicycle. Well, there's three different stores. Oh. There is the saloon, there is the dry goods store, and there is a grocery store. Okay. So, the dry dry goods store, which is, you know, your general store, Mm -hmm. has... A bicycle for $3. For $3. Now, fun fact, you cannot roll over your money between weeks. What? It is it is compensated. A kid tries to hide money, and it is taken away. I, that's stunning. 
Like, yeah. I can't believe that. Because that's the first thing I would do is like, well, I need to budget in the event that I'm a laborer next week. No, in Olivia's book, she says they take the money after you only have like that pay period. Because kids tried that. Yeah, because that's what a smart human would do. Yep. This is, oh, uh, take a drink for being infuriated. So Sophia wants this $3 bike. So she starts, she pulls a handsome Pete and dances in the street for nickels. Ah, that's handsome Pete. He dances for nickels. Pete, you got some customers. Dancing for nickels. She also like offers to teach kids dance how to dance. Yeah. These are the three dance moves that will get you through life, okay? Pull up your pants. Open the drawer. Swim. Yeah, like she's teaching them very cute, corny, mm-hmm. kid-friendly dance moves. Like the lawnmower and the sprinkler. She gets three dollars almost immediately and gets the bike. Yeah, and like Let's let's really talk about this for a second, okay? Okay. Uh, she started with ten cents, and then she got three dollars. The entire economy is seventy four dollars. That's how much money is in play. Like she took a decent percentage of it. I don't think it's that much because. Ten kids get a dollar, right? Mm-hmm. So ten kids get, and then five, ten kids get fifty cents. I, you know what? I think I did this math wrong. And oh, you know what? No, it's seventy-four nickels. Yeah, is what it is. It is eighteen dollars and fifty cents. Eighteen dollars and fifteen cents. She get fifty cents. She gets about one sixth of the economy of the economy dancing in the street. Yes. This is a terrible message for children. (laughs) Just like, if you need money, you could always dance for it. This is not a lesson that they should have, because it works really well. Yeah, she immediately gets the bike and nothing happens to her. That's incredible. Yeah, that's a sixth of the economy. And so we see her bike away happily. Yeah, she's like, I have a bike now. And the count now they could keep things they bought between. I certainly hope so. Um, because Olivia actually mentions buying paper, and that's okay. cu- why she has so many notes and why she could like write this book. Was she was writing things down oh. as they happened, and the council needs to figure out who gets the gold star. Yes, and. Uh, did we establish what the gold star was? Yes, we did. Very okay. early on. And at the same time, Jimmy is still upset. And this time, Hippie Michael is trying to convince him to stay. Yes. And we get to our first town hall meeting. Mm-hmm. And the first thing Jonathan asked at the town hall meeting is, uh, who here thinks the council is doing a good job? Most yeah. kids raise their hand. Sophia doesn't. Yeah. Sophia complains that the yellow team is not pulling their weight. Taylor should be leading them better to do their dishes, which are mm-hmm. their job. And that the laborers who are already overworked are doing their mm-hmm. job. And then the next thing Jonathan does is ask if anyone is going to leave. Yes. And Jimmy, who thought he was going to die out in the desert, nopes out. Yeah, like, I'd like to leave. And they're like, why? He's like, because I'm in third grade. <laughs> so 
Laurel's like, I'll miss you because Jimmy was on the Green District. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy leaves and everyone, like, you know, gives him, like, high fives mm-hmm. and says goodbye. And then we find out who wins the gold star. Now, can I just, I want to say this because this is a concern I have. Yeah. When you get voted out on Survivor, you don't get to go home. They sequester you. Did Jimmy get to go home? <laughs> I do not know, and I haven't watched the... Like, I know John Tron did an interview with him. Yeah, this is something I really want to know, because if, if it's just like, okay, buddy, you don't have to do the show anymore. You'll stay in this hotel room for another 39 days, though. I mean, I could totally see... There's pizza. <laughs> well, I, I could definitely see the idea that one of your parents would have to come out there with you at that point. Right. Um... But also, no one really, no one really knows anything. And these kids were under like very severe NDAs. Well, you can't enter an NDA with a child. They're not old enough. Oh well, then I don't think it matters. <laughs> like I genuinely think it because it's not a who wins. Right. I, I don't think it super matters. Right. Because it doesn't like quote quote affect gameplay. Gotcha. So I and I think it's one of those things of like. It wasn't worth it for the network to say, like, no, no, little Jimmy. Your parents have signed you away for 37 more <laughs> days. So the council crowns kitchen captain Sophia the gold star winner. Yes. And that's when Jonathan drops the bomb that it's not just symbolic. Yeah. This is when they find out there's actual money attached yeah. to it. That star you're holding. Uh-huh. Pretty heavy, huh? Yeah. Well, it's worth its weight in gold. Literally. 20 thousand dollars he says that every episode yes now you could get a big now what they're given on screen is a paperweight i Uh, i was pretty sure it wasn't real gold but they you could get real gold like you either got real gold or a check based on your decision wait what yeah you could they uh michael says he chose to get the check yeah of course you would yeah what (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) This is very much the Simpsons, like, do you want $1,000 or the elephant? Yep. Like, (laughs) all right, whatever. She also wins the more coveted prize, almost. She wins a key to the only room in Bonanza City with a functioning phone. Mm -hmm. And she is permitted to call her parents. Yes. Who happened to have a camera crew in their living room. And these were filmed live. These were not filmed separately later. Really? Yeah. The lo- I don't know much about the logistics of this, but it was confirmed that like the camera crew goes to your parents' house. I'm going to... You do not necessarily call immediately after your town council. I'd imagine they have to set it up, yeah. Because Olivia says uh, she hears directly from another Gold Star winner in another episode that yeah. like, they didn't get to call until the next morning. Okay. And I have lost track of how many kids cried. This is also not the only time Sophia calls her parents. Because uh, Michael says off screen she steals a phone from a crew member at one point to call home. Go, Sophia. Which is just a great story. And since we're already like building up Sophia as our personal protagonist. Yeah. Uh, it's very funny that she's just, uh, she just swipes it. Episode two. This one you is... Know, I, I want to say this before we move on. Okay. The ending of Kid Nation 
episode one is like kind of hopeful and of uplifting. Yeah. Of like today, I think morale just skyrocketed. Everybody is so much happier now. We're all having a lot more fun now. We came a long way since day one. A long way that's so amazing. We made a couple of mistakes, but everything's got running smoothly now. We can do things. We can make our own government system. We can make our own shops. We can rebuild the whole town. I'll admit, like, it had me in that moment. I'm like, yeah, maybe they can do it. I'm like, wait, no, no, don't fall for this. Look away. My, my note that I actually have is everything involving just the kids, if their question that they're trying to answer is, could kids do the society better? The answer at this point is yes, because everything that's going wrong with their society are the things the adults are introducing in. Like the classism and that like people aren't necessarily doing the job they're best suited for. Right. Like the kids who are best at cooking are not in the kitchen. No. Unless they happen to come in third. Episode two is called To Kill or Not to Kill, which is a weird setup out of context. The journal is like, you guys need meat. Yeah. The the pioneer journal. Because Sophie talks about how all they've really had around is canned corn, canned tomatoes, tomato juice, canned peaches, canned apples, baked beans, and then like flour, potatoes, the kind of things that are shelf stable or canned. And the kids begin to argue at the concept of killing chickens. Yeah, so now they're going to be like, we're going to, we're thinking of killing a chicken so we can have meat. And a few of the children lock themselves in the chicken coop. Led by Emily. Yeah. To, in protest to save the chickens' lives. Emily threatens to go home. The kids take a vote. And most kids are pro-chicken murder. Yes. And Greg, the kid that we've kind of set up as the bully in the previous episode, Mm. uh, talks about how he's apprenticed with a a butcher. I've worked with the butcher for about a year, and I've butchered cattle, I've butchered pigs, I've butchered goats, I've butchered lambs, I've butchered turkeys, I've butchered chickens. I've killed before. I'll kill again. (laughs) He actually says he's butchered, which I think is legitimately different. Like, usually the butcher doesn't kill the animal. The butcher right. breaks down the animal. Right. But the idea that he's had um, experience with the animal before it's plastic wrapped on styrofoam in mm-hmm. the market. So then they're like, all right, let's do it. And Greg's like, I have no problem being the one who does it. And then across the bottom of the screen, it says, the following scene might be intense for young children. You know, the ones committing the act. Yes. Like, the idea that some producer or bigwig over at CBS was watching this and were like, ooh, we're going to have to put a warning in front of this. We don't want to get sued by the viewers. Yeah. Like, insane. We don't want to traumatize an eight-year-old over this. Um, (laughs) But, like, they... Everyone watches. Not yeah, everyone like, watches. It's confirmed several kids do hide. In Olivia's book, she talked about how several kids do hide. But in, the kids who are there, Greg's like, gather in, gather in. So let me show you. We're going to grab this chicken by his neck and we're going to stretch it out real good. 
and then I'm just going to give it a quick choppy chop. And but uh, what happens when a chicken gets its head cut off, Noah? Uh, it runs around for a little bit. How do the kids take that, Noah? Not well. It was flopping around, running in circles, cloaking at me. It was dead. It was Not alive. It's reflexes, okay? The second I hit that chicken, it dies. It's dead. And the chicken's freaking out because it's dead. It's... <laughs> And then Emily. This is day two. Well, not day two, but this it's like is episode four. two. Yeah, like this is day four. They, it's still only like day four or five that they're there. <laughs> like, let's start slaughtering things. And this is when my man Jared goes. He sped up the natural cycle of life and death. He gave these two stuff like a shortcut. And then, like, Greg coaches the kids on how to pluck the feathers. Yeah. Like, Greg actually does take a very good leadership role here. Yeah, they do some nice learnings. And so Sophia's cooking despite the fact that it's not her team. Mm-hmm. And let's not trust the children to ruin a freshly dead chicken. They now what's funny is they kill three chickens. Right. Which is not like I buy the rotisserie chickens from Wegmans. It's not like a ton of meat. No. For forty kids. Yeah. Some thirty nine. Thirty nine kids, but some of whom are teenage boys. And like boys between the age of three, of, boys between the ages of thirteen and sixteen may as well be several people each. Yeah, exactly. And so they make a stew out of it, and it's called Pioneer Stew. Yes. And it's apparently terrible, but they're all happy to eat it. Mm-hmm. And Olivia points out in her book that like the little girl who didn't want to kill the chicken totally still eats the stew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then it would have died for nothing. However. The show claims she doesn't eat it. Really? Yeah. Olivia's book claims she does. And Emily is depicted as not eating it on the show. Huh. I'm willing to bet that Olivia's narrative is more accurate. Yeah. Because Olivia doesn't really need to lie about it. Right, right. The next morning, it has gotten so cold in the New Mexico desert overnight that everything is frozen. Yeah, so this is something that I wasn't prepared for because I think desert, there's like, it must be hot. I was like, no, these kids are freezing. They're in like... They're in desert in April. Yeah, they're in poorly insulated houses. They're not in beds. They're on like these mats on the floor. They are in industrial sleeping bags though because they were given... Right. But they each have to bring their own. Kids were given a list of things they had to pack and they were given like they had to buy these super intense like... The REI sleeping bags for, like, sleeping on a mountain. Mm-hmm. But they're still, like, in very cold rooms. Yeah, they're still sleeping on wooden boards in the winter. <laughs> like, anytime they talk and I see their breath, I'm like, no, don't. So, the next morning, we notice that the girls in the yellow bunk are all huddled together not doing anything. Despite the fact that they should be in the kitchen. Yes. And... We see that the green team is trying to pump water because they're the laborers. And the water pump is entirely frozen. Yeah, so now they're just going to die. Yeah, like there's no water. Yeah. Meanwhile, and they actually, they get some water, but they have to heat up dirty dishwater Mm -hmm. and throw the warm water on the water pump enough to like get it to work. Yeah. And so then we get another showdown challenge. Right. It's another water-based challenge. Yeah, they, 
they have to do like the challenge is to lay pipe. They have it's to lay children pipe. who have to lay pipe. They're laying pipe. They got to lay pipe, and the idea. And no one thinks that saying no. it that way is weird, huh? Yeah, they, they have to go through this like weird pipe obstacle course where they have to get the water from one end of this like path to another and turn a water wheel. But we know that it's freezing cold, and now they're all going to get soaked. And these already freezing children. They announce the prize beforehand. Yes, which they do not always do. Yeah. And the sensible prize is water. Additional water pumps that are heated so that they cannot freeze over. So that they'll never freeze over and it's not as far away. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to like get water. Or a heated water slide. And he mentions like a bunch of times it's heated. It's still going to be miserable. Because you're still going to have to get off it. Yeah. How terrible. And so then what happens here is we have the the showdown challenge. Blue wins the upper class. Mm -hmm. Red wins the merchants. Yellow are in the kitchens again. Green does not complete the challenge. Yeah, so they're the failure laborer. So again, they're in that position that I was worried about. Where not only did you lose, but you lost a reward for everyone. Did this remind you of Opposite Worlds? It did, because it made me wonder if the reason they were failing was because they were working so hard for the last three days. Yeah, these kids who are tired and underfed are performing poorly. Yeah. We also see this moment of, like, they're all soaked in blankets, huddled together... And you have this moment of like, so wait, you had access to these nicer water pumps and you gave them the sad, shitty ones on purpose? Adults? Yeah. Uh, now, they did have to install these water pumps. Okay. To even have them as a prize. So several pioneers would sneak out in the middle of the night and pump water from the better pumps. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Michael admits to it in the AMA. <laughs> where he's like, mm, screw you. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm thirsty. I'm not going up the hill. Yes. So we're on day seven. I I, I want to occasionally I will mention what day we're on. Mm-hmm. Yellow is cooking, but the girls aren't doing anything because they always keep saying like they're pageant girls. They don't have to. Right. The blue team, led by Anjay, are upper class, but they're doing dishes and they're helping out. Yeah. And Sophia, the kitchen captain, although she's on the green team and is a laborer, she, like, makes it a point to express her gratitude toward the blue team. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Mike, the red Boy Scout district leader. Evil cowboy. He thinks it's sus that Greg is helping. Yeah. He thinks Greg is only helping because the gold star has a monetary value attached. Yeah. Which, so... Um, Like, Greg's 15 and he's the best at everything. Yeah. I don't care what his motivations are if stuff's getting done. Uh, Little Mallory and little Sophia, who are, like, very, very... Who are young even for this. Yeah. uh, They start, like, a little pet-setting business. Yeah, for your stuffed animals. Yeah, like, they start, like, this cute little pet-setting business where they would watch your stuffed animals and, like, dress them up for you. Yeah, give them little hugs. Yeah, to get... Because they're... They're upper class, so they don't like need to do anything. Right. So, but it's 
it's one of these weird little moments that reminds us how young they are. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, that's right, they're children. Like, right. Oh, their their business is watching your stuffed animal because they're eight and they can't watch a real animal because they're eight. Yeah. Although we actually do establish that several of these kids do grow up on farms. We see kids like competently milking goats in the first episode. Yeah. Because they're farm kids. Uh, on related note, Emily's locked in the chicken coop again. <laughs> That's my next note. Emily yeah. is locked in the chicken coop again. They, they and the ki- the yellow team all get together and bully the shit out of Emily. Yeah. It, there's a lot of just like... If, if they threaten to hang her. Do they threaten to hang her? I- get out, Emily. You're not allowed in here and you know it. I'm going to drag you out of there, pull your toenails out, and hang you from the roof. I know there's a lot of, like, you can just go home if you're having a problem. No, like, one of the kids threatens to, like, hang her. That's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they tell Emily to go home. I hope she does screw these kids. Yeah, these kids is my next terrible. note. Uh, again... As an adult, I'm uncomfortable with how many times I hate kids in this show. Mm-hmm. We find out now that the gold star must be a unanimous decision by the council. Right. Although I, I feel like it really never seems... To, I think, like, one person begrudgingly seems to agree. Yeah. And it seems to come down to Greg and Hippie Michael. Yes. And there's a moment where the council is talking and you clearly see blue district leader Anjay's breath. Yes, because it's so cold. And my next note is, Jesus Christ, they're freezing these children. Yeah. Why does no one care? And we have a, we're back to the town council meeting. These shows are a little bit formulaic, which is good for our purposes. Mm-hmm. Town council meeting. Uh, Sophia doesn't approve of the council again. Yeah. She won the gold star, so now she has zero Fs to give. And she's like, yeah, yellow team needs to step up. And Laurel, who is the Green District leader, is like, you know, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I like eating food. And then Taylor kind of says the other kids are going to starve if they're not nice to Taylor. Yeah. We're the youngest people. We do not have as good as cooking spirits. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to starve. I was just like, we'll let you starve. It's like, oh, my God, they're holding food hostage. And, like, I, I always had this problem uh, where kids fighting over food greatly upsets me. Yes. Like, so seeing this immediately puts me on edge. Like, just someone, someone do something. Don't allow this to continue. Do you want me to make you feel, make you and our audience feel better? Yeah, that'd be great. The kids were always fed lunch by okay. the production. Oh, okay. Uh, the kids were fed, like, it wasn't like anything amazing, but they were always given like sandwiches, chips, a cookie. A cookie? Yeah, they were given food and probably not enough food. Right. Especially for some of the older kids. They they're given what they gave the kid what they gave the people who went to Firefest. I, I think it's a little nicer than that. Okay. Also, there was a motivation to get the talking head interviews. You wanted to get chosen for a talking head interview. Yeah. There was a uh there's a food truck at the... Oh. You were bussed away to another location. Oh. Because they had certain, like, set, lit locations for confessionals. You were taken away from town to do them. And there was, like, a snack cart. And you were permitted to take things off the snack cart when you went to Oh. But you couldn't take anything back. Oh, okay. So, you know, you would go and you'd house a bag of Cheetos or whatever. Mm. And then you'd go back and starve, I guess. Fun. And they point out that 
Uh, Olivia in her book repeatedly points out that the kids are seriously augmenting their diet with candy. I'd imagine. From the dry goods store and the general, uh, the grocery store. They are heavily augmenting their diets with crap. Mm-hmm. To get enough calories for uh, the amount. Yeah. Because this is... the What they're doing. This is a high... This is a group that's a high caloric need group. Mm-hmm. Prepubescent and pubescent kids. Yeah. Do you remember how you ate when you were 13, 14 years old? I just shoveled it. I don't remember. I was Garfield. Yeah. Like, I, you know, throw a pan of lasagna down my throat hole like Garfield the cat. That's why you're allergic to cheese. Yeah. I... Slight hyperbole. <laughs> but I probably could have swallowed a baguette whole like a python. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, like, they're not feeding these kids enough. Maybe, like, little kids like Mallory and Sophia might be getting close to enough to eat. Mm-hmm. But still probably not. It's like one meal a day. And they're giving them lunch because they realized it was impractical to get the kids to serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 40 kids. That yeah. is too much for the... It was too much for the cooks mm-hmm. group to do. Right. And lunch was the easiest meal to hide. What do you mean hide? Like breakfast would need to be shown because you see the beginning of the day more and you see the end of the day more. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So it's easiest to hide the middle of the day from the cameras. That makes sense. So they talk about the gold star and hippie Michael wins. And he thank- he gives his little thank you speech And then his little face crumbles when they tell him he can call his parents. Yeah. And so he gets this, like, little call with his parents. And he's, like, 14. Mm -hmm. He looks like a very young 14. I would have pegged him as being much younger. Like, he looks like... He is baby. Like, he looks so... He looks like a slightly older Jimmy. Like, Jimmy, the little kid who goes away in the first episode. He kind of looks like him, but only very slightly older. And he calls his mom and dad, and it's like... It always ends on this nice, heartfelt phone call with their parents. Mm-hmm. And you see Greg, when finally ever When no one's looking, Greg kind of kicks something over. Yeah. Grumpily. He's a little grump grump. Because Greg felt he deserved the gold star. Yeah. And Greg kind of does. He does. Like, like, we're supposed to be like, ooh, he's doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like, why do you go to work? Right. Is it for the money or like, no, no, I, I show up every day to janitor or teach children or compute program for the love of the game. I do it for free. The money is just a bonus. No, you do it to get paid. Kids are already figuring that out. <laughs> and we're back. We took a little break in between uh, episode two and episode three here of Kid Nation. And uh, in a very rare situation, I actually edited the first part of this before recording the second part of this. And I just want to say I can't get an image out of my head. Okay. Because you talked about eating a baguette whole like a python. Yes. I can't stop picturing a python eating a baguette whole and it just fills his whole body. And you just don't notice because it's just slightly thicker? Yeah, he's just... Well, he he can't slither anymore because he's got a full baguette in him. And he just kind of rolls about. Relatable. Yeah. Episode three. Episode three. So I have the note here that this aired October 3rd, 2007. Yeah. Because I do like to contextualize when these were airing. Right. The first thing we see 
is Greg and some of the older kids doing what can only be described as root beer car bombs. Yes. They're dropping shot glasses of seltzer into, into the root, root beer. beer and then slamming them. And they're having this big party and we also see that Mallory and Olivia are kind of having none of it. Yeah. And in Olivia's book she talks about like not even really knowing what they're doing with the little she goes there were little tiny glasses that they were putting in the root beer and then chugging it. Yeah. She doesn't know what a car bomb is. She's 12 and also like if your parents weren't party people I also get the idea that, because I also see they have like clown seltzer bottles. Yes. That the root beer that they have is uncarbonated. Potentially. And then they have to carbonate it with the seltzer. That makes a lot of and sense. And then it makes sense to be like, well, let's just do an Irish car bomb. So it's this big rowdy party and you hear a couple of the kids showing that, like, showing some concern that there is a showdown the next day. Yeah, and they're up late partying. Day eight, the hangover. Yeah, they're hungover from sugar. sugar. <laughs> Which I, I can relate to because I feel like the worst I've ever felt in the morning is days after I eat too much garbage, way more than drinking. Yeah. Because I feel like recently there was something where I ate a bunch of just trash and I woke up the next morning like wanting to die mm-hmm. in a way that alcohol has never made me want to die. The council wakes everyone up and including Greg, the council and Greg, Greg is like banging cookie sheets together. He sees an opportunity to be a pain in the ass. And then he takes it. He does the slumber party steamroller where you roll across everybody. Yeah, which is just something I haven't seen in forever. And then somebody says, It's seven o'clock. Wake up. Bang, 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 bang. He has woken me up. Greg is cruel and non-feeling. Jared. Jared says it, yes. And, uh, Jared complains that he also only got four hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. And then the journal conveniently says that they should make a curfew. Yes. So they kind of have an argument over what is an early enough curfew for the little kids, mm-hmm. but a late enough curfew for the older kids. Yeah. And the green team points out the laborers are often still working. By 8 o'clock, when they yeah. is the original suggested curfew. So they settle into a 9.30 curfew. Yeah. Which I then have the thought, like, if the problem is, like, you, you need a time for the little kids and a time for the older kids, just kind of, like, set an 8 o'clock quiet curfew and then bed at 9.30. And then I was like, wait a minute, they're children. Of course they're not going to think things as logically as two adults discussing this with the power of hindsight would. Yeah. Uh, Greg and Sophia have an altercation about it. Greg swears a lot. Yes, they're swearing and it is scandalous. And Olivia is furious because Mallory's upset. Yeah. Because Mallory is very little. And you, you get the sense that Mallory and Olivia did not grow up in a household where they were shouting and swearing. Yeah. So this is like very, uh, like this is a lot to them. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we see is three kids going on a hike. My notes here are Zach, Colton, and a third kid. Yeah, they're, they're not establishing these kids very well, but they're young. Yeah, it's all, I think they're all three on the yellow team, which is the youngest team. Yes. And Colton, they, they decide to essentially go cow tipping? Yeah, let's go scare cows. And Colton steps up to a bull, 
over yeah. the other kids telling him to, like, back himself up. Yeah, and the bull's just kind of, like, staring at him. Like, what are you doing, child? And the child's like, I'm going to keep getting closer and closer and closer. And then eventually, the child goes, wah! And the bull blinks and runs away. At this point, I want to point out how far away the cameraman is. Oh, yeah. This kid would have been... He could have been dead. Like... Yeah, I mean, this kid could have been gored. If, like, had something horrible happened, it would have taken a while for people to reach him. Yeah. Because he was a distance away. Absolutely. We kind of start seeing the teams grousing. Yes. Green team is complaining because we're in episode three and they've been laborers twice already. Yeah, and they're still pulling a lot of the weight in the kitchen. And the blue team is upper class but is helping. Yeah. Like we see Greg wants that star. And we see cute little Mallory raking up flour because the yellow team who's supposed to be in the kitchen is having a flower fight. Yeah, they've actually a food doing anything. fight, which I'm to be honest, I'm surprised it took us three episodes to get to a food fight in Kid Nation, but they have one. And they still haven't had any breakfast. So Taylor screams, Oh, it's not gonna be lunch, it's not gonna be breakfast, but it's gonna be brunch. Um, we're not even gonna like get plates out because it's not worth cleaning it just for hash browns, you know? So you get the idea that it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at this point, and yeah. they're just starting to cook. Yes. Everyone's talking about how hungry they are. There is no plate, <laughs> and everyone is getting handfuls of fried potatoes. Yeah, they're getting potatoes served into their hands. They're dirty hands because, yeah. like, there's not a lot of cleanliness mm-hmm. in Kid Nation. And so everyone's kind of complaining. And I believe this is the first time we get people complaining, and Taylor's response is, deal with it. This is breakfast? Deal with it. Now we get the showdown. It's the sheep card challenge. You have to catch specific sheep that have the aces. Yeah, so... Basically, the idea is the town council are, like, a little bit higher than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And they can see all these sheep that have names, like, spray-painted onto them. Yes. And they have, like, a map that says which sheep has an ace of their color tied around the neck. Because all the sheep have a playing card around their necks. So the idea is that you need to scream to your teammate. Get Greg the sheep, he's to the left, so that they can, like, grab these cards. Yeah. Um, it's immediately chaos. It's people catching sheep poorly. Um, Yellow Team wins, which is abominable because they've been terrible. Yes. I also want to point out real quick that uh, the... Um, Amazing Race survivor shot of just a hand entering frame, grabbing a card and pulling it away that they cut in because you can't get that close up actually during gameplay. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, it is still a reality show. I know that shot. Uh, Blue is then the merchant class. So Blue's having a good time because they were upper, I think they were merchant, upper merchant. Yeah. Blue is living it up because they have all the oldest kids. So they're good at stuff. Then Green. And Green is thrilled. Yeah, they're in the kitchen. So, well, everyone's thrilled that Green is in the kitchen. Because now they're going to get to eat food off dishes. Well, I think everyone's happy that someone besides Yellow. Because at least Blue and Red still would have attempted to cook. Mm-hmm. 
And then red is the laborers. So the red team is devastated. Yeah. But they do all complete the challenge in time. Yes. They all complete in time. So that means they get a prize. What are you going to choose? You get my the namesake of my cocktail, the microwave, and the barrel of hot cocoa. Yes. Or 40 fresh hot pizzas. Yeah. With uh, all the toppings you could imagine. And I was like, what kid likes toppings? Pepperoni. Like, what what eight-year-old is like, mmm, could I get a margarita pizza maybe? Oh, they probably like pepperoni. Yeah. Um, but sausage. Like, but what I'm saying is you could say we have cheese and we have pepperoni pizzas, and that would be what children would want. Yeah, maybe There's, one. Like, where's the broccoli rob? There might be one, like, one veggie pizza for, like, one of the older girls. Mm-hmm. But... The kids are actually really arguing for the pizzas. Yes. Yeah, so because these children are brutally malnourished. Yeah, they're starving. In Olivia's book, she talks about, like, she's a 12-year-old girl, and she's like, I've never considered eating an entire pizza in my life, but we've been so hungry for so long that I could have eaten an entire pizza alone. Yeah, and, like, especially since the people who are supposed to be cooking are not. Yeah. So, like, they're very low They're on- really on... Really, they're on one meal a day, but narratively, they're completely underfed. And it's also... Because we do not talk about the lunches that are being served ever on camera. That's true. It's also important to note that, like, we've gone over some of the food that they have. And it's been eggs, canned apples, canned peaches, beef jerky. Uh, They made some, like, pasta and mac and cheese. There hasn't really been anything that you go, oh, that makes sense for a microwave. Yeah. So this is the first one where I'm like, this is a this is a good debate on what we should do. Every the Mike tries when the council goes to deliberate, Mike, the little boy scout, uh, argues evil cowboy argues against the microwave. Everyone else argues for it. We don't always need the thing that we need. What will we cook in the microwave? Hash browns. We can't cook hash browns. Yes, yes, you can cook anything in the microwave. After it's fried. Listen to them, listen to them. They all want And they end up going with the microwave and the cocoa. Yes. And the kids essentially revolt. Yeah. This was easily their most disliked moment uh, as the council so far. Everyone's furious. Yeah. So. And you hear the kids saying, like, what are we going to use the microwave for? Yeah. And truth be told, it's it's for mostly the cocoa. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, I think the cocoa gets really uh, mislabeled in this event. Yeah. Because I remember when we were watching it, I was like, oh, the microwave is the impractical Price before they've revealed the pizza because it's like they're trying to tempt kids with hot cocoa and like the other thing's going to make more sense. And uh, no, but on top of that, I had forgotten already, even though it's been a huge plot point, how cold it is. Yeah. So the idea that they'd be able to heat water quickly is actually huge. Yeah. Uh, so, and they don't realize it right away, but like over time, they're just kind of like, oh. This makes a lot of sense now. Well, the next scene, we see the next morning. Mm. We find that the red team's not very good at being laborers. They're trying. Yes. And we see in the kitchen, 
some of the like poor little red team kids all huddled in the kitchen after doing labor mm-hmm. and Sophia making them little mugs of cocoa. Yeah. Which is like a very sweet scene of what the kitchen should look like. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, Sophia's in there taking care of other kids. Red is trying. We then get a little cute cutaway about Sophia making a deal in the store. Trying to buy a purse off Mallory and Mallory driving a hard bargain. <laughs> yeah. Here's the bag I um, have had my eye on. And I cannot see any reason why anyone else in this city would want it. I have to agree with you and say, why would anyone else in this town want this bag? I would like to buy it for five cents. 25 cents. In a very clearly staged scene. In a very staged scene. It's just, and this, I find this scene very confusing. It's very clear that one, this is staged, and two, it creates this confusing thing of, wait, can the merchants change the prices of things? Yeah. Which I assume they can't. So I can confirm this was 100% staged. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, Olivia confirms it in her book. Mallory's her little sister. They needed more footage of Mallory doing her job for this episode. Oh, okay. So... We now see a dust storm starting to blow up. Yes, an insane storm. Like it's a windstorm, so it's blowing all the sand all the sand up, but it's also horrible, horrible wind. Yeah, it it's a dust storm because it's a desert windstorm. Yeah. So almost worse than the wind is the fact that the wind is blowing sand, dirt, and dust everywhere. Mm-hmm. At least one child is asthmatic on this show. Yeah. Uh, Gianna from the blue team. Wow. So this was actually terrifying for the kids. Yeah, it was terrifying for the viewer. (laughs) uh, The outhouse blows away. Or some of the outhouses blow away and tip. Tip over, which shows that they are, in fact, not actually outhouses, but porta-potties. But I digress. Uh, And you see Zachary from the yellow team taking charge and kind of like getting the kids together in the saloon where everybody waits out the storm. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go out there and... We're going to fix everything. Everything's going to be fine. And everything is covered in dust and miserable. They, mm-hmm. they weather the storm. All the kids are okay. And several of the older, bigger kids volunteer to write the outhouses. Mm-hmm. Several of them throw up off camera. I'm not surprised because that's gross. Like a tipped porta potty is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, like... And then there are several of them that the laborers will eventually need to clean. Yes. And uh, Taylor also makes a lot of rude remarks about Red being the laborers because she's in the upper class now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she says that her butt doesn't shine. Yeah, she's awful. And we're already nearing the end of the episode, which... uh, we, We have this... Moment where the council is trying to decide who should get the prize, the gold star. Right. They they have this moment where they kind of talk about how all older kids have been winning. It's been Sophia and Michael who are both older teenagers. Yes. We should mention that they hold kind of like, they let everyone have a pitch. Yes. Which is something that they do every once in a while on this show. To fill time. Yeah. Oh, is it to fill time? Oh, I don't know. I'm just assuming. (laughs) That I don't have officially from any source. But I feel like it very transparently fills time. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a thing they did every, before every Gold Star, but sometimes they don't air it because they have enough footage. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying Greg 
should win the star. Yes. Because he works really hard. But Mike, the evil cowboy, still hates Greg. And also is putting out there that once he gets the star, maybe he won't want to work anymore. Yeah. Uh, But they also talk about how they've overemphasized the bigger kids and that the smaller kids are also making significant contributions. Yes. And this is when Olivia, in her pitch, brings up little Mallory. Yes. Her small sister. Mm -hmm. And they realize it will also be Mallory's ninth birthday. Yeah. She's going to have her birthday in Bonanza City. And how much her, you know... How much her mental and emotional contributions are. She's kind to everyone. No one has a bad word to say about her. Olivia really pushes for her sister to get it. Yeah, and I also just kind of want to point out, like, how valuable a birthday is to a child. Like, this is her ninth birthday. She's only had a birthday nine times. She probably doesn't remember the first three. Yeah. So this is one of her six birthday memories. And she's away from everyone she knows and loves. She had a small birthday party ahead of filming. Oh, okay. Uh, with her family. But, and they do try to throw her a little one in Bonanza City off screen. Oh, very sweet. But there's not much they can do. For the one before Bonanza City, did she get $20,000? She did not. She did not. Interesting. And we get to, so we have these pitches it's mostly Greg and Mallory. Yeah. But occasionally uh, Morgan enters the conversation, who's another teenager from the green team. Yeah. And we get the standard, who thinks that the council's doing a good job? Mm-hmm. And everyone, everyone puts down Taylor. Even when you did have a job, you didn't work. Don't have the choice to do it, they won't. Being upper class does not give you the right to be queen. Well, I can't say I'm a pageant queen, but the upper class is king and queen of the jobs and all, and they can do it, they won't. Taylor, I'm getting a little bit tired with deal with it. I second that opinion, and also I think that someday the town's going to make a decision that you don't like, Taylor, and then you're going to be the You know. Yes. Uh, the, right the, down to a kid screaming, Taylor, you're doing a bad job. Deal with it. Yes. Uh, then Sophia gets up and decides she's the host now and becomes the host of the show. Always <laughs> unhappy with the job that the council is doing. Re-election! Taylor then cries and apologizes. Mm-hmm. And Sophia goes, I don't accept. You have to actually back that up with actions. Yeah, you have to do more than try. Because she keeps saying that she's going to try. So, Taylor then promises that the yellow team will do more. And then all of the kids choose to stay. Even Mallory, who has spent some of the episode considering going home. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out, this is another thing that, like, they kind of create a narrative that's not there. Mm Mm-hmm. During the part where they're screaming at Taylor, somebody screams re-election. Yeah. And there's this moment as a viewer where you're like, well, can they do that or not? Because like right now it seems like there should be a re-election because there's that enough people who are upset. But like it's just a concept that's thrown out there. That then is never followed up on so we as the viewer are confused. The same way with the haggling with the merchants. Yeah. 
Uh, I also want to point out just real quick, because I, I forget exactly where it happens, but it definitely happens in this episode. There's a moment where it is very clear that Taylor doesn't say deal with it, but they edited edit it, it in. in. Where they ADR. Yeah. Because like I'm watching this like, God, I hate Taylor. She is just a little brat that I just want to throttle. And oh my God, she's 10. Like they've made a villain out of a 10 year old. And I'm sitting here as an adult like, I hate this human. It's like, that's not a, ooh. I will say by every interview and account I've read, Taylor does not get a bad edit. Taylor is just awful during filming. That being said, Mm -hmm. Taylor is a lonely, stressed out 10 year old in a bad situation. And she's like, she's a pageant queen. So this is a girl who's probably never had to be physically uncomfortable in her life. Yeah. She's probably just not dealing with the situation particularly well. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to paint that stressed out, scared kid who's lashing out as a villain. Right. The other kids genuinely do not like her. Uh, However, these kids have all been put in a terrible situation. And it's one of those things of how much can we really condemn a little girl who was not able to rise with dignity to something she's never faced before in her life. Right. Like, I... Because I've been thinking about Taylor a lot. Mm -hmm. Because she's clearly the villain in this section of episodes. I'd love to talk to Taylor. Yeah, I haven't been able to find Taylor. I noticed. I noticed that if you try to look up a lot of stuff about the kids, there's kids you can find, and they're pretty open, and they're pretty cool about it. Taylor seems to have vanished, which is weird because she was a beauty queen. You'd think she'd be, like, doing something in the public eye. I'm a little worried that this show ruined her life. Yeah, like, Michael... uh, Michael from the Green Team, he's very easy to track down. Yes. And then varying... Other uh, cast members have social media presences, whether they're uh, well-maintained or not. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that Olivia just wrote a whole book. Yes. Thank you for that. Olivia. So, I, that, like, I've only read up to what we've watched. Right. If you're into Kid Nation, I fully recommend Stronger Than You Think. Because mm-hmm. it, it's really, really interesting. It's a lot of the things I've always wanted to know about filming a reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also love just like, oh, we've had books now tied into some of these shows. Anyway, so they do the gold star thing. Yeah. Mallory wins and Mallory does not care about the money. No. Mallory cares about the phone call. As an eight or nine year old, (laughs) because it is her birthday, $20,000 is an uncomprehendable concept. Yeah, it's an abstract <laughs> amount of money. Yeah. Because I remember I was only a year older than Mallory when I had my first communion. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting $375. Yeah. And rich. That was an inconceivable amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I got a can of Tongue Splashers gumballs. And those things were fairly equal value to me yeah. when I was eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mallory gets to to call her family. Sophia doesn't. Anjay points out how mentally strong and physically short <laughs> Mallory is. And then my next note is, oh yeah, I forgot about Anjay. Because he has done nothing. Yeah. We've seen very little of Anjay this episode. Very little. They do not let Olivia go with Mallory. Right. Which is kind of a bummer. And we get way more of Mallory's phone call. 
And her parents really play into it. Like, Daddy, I miss you. I miss you too. About three o'clock every day, I hear the school bus go by, but it doesn't stop. I'm like, Mallory, where's the love? Oh, Daddy. And they call her like a little bit and sweet girl. Mm-hmm. And it's both parents. and They're so happy to hear from her. And it's just this very like heartwarming phone call of this little girl getting to call home. Mm-hmm. And then she gets back from making the phone call and the other kids all have chipped in and they give her a big jar of candy from the store and she shares it with everybody and genuinely like a little heartwarming moment. Mm -hmm. And then the end tag is Sophia jamming a kid into a hammock over the credits. Yeah. (laughs) Just in case it was like too sweet. It's like Sophia just jamming a kid into a hammock. (laughs) So that's episode three. Mm -hmm. Episode four can we say shit show on air? I, we just did. Um, um, so this one is about religion. Yeah, this one is also clearly heavily influenced by the producers. Oh, yeah. So there is this moment that I think this is a good way to set this up. Is they're ta- this table is talking about Christianity and Judaism. Yeah. And... There's like a kid who's trying to talk about Hanukkah, and they're like, "Ah, oh, Hanukkah's dumb. Uh, I know the story. The, the oil lasted, you know, super long." Blah. Which I'm like, this is post Rugrats America. Everyone knows the story of Hanukkah in a better way than that. I mean, also though, like Hanukkah is always put up against Christmas because they're at the same time. Yeah, even though Hanukkah is not the most important holiday. Of yeah, not at all. So, like, you you should put Hanukkah up against, uh, I don't know, the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> I mean, more it's probably more important than, like, a feast, like a random saint feast day. Hey, that's the saint of animals. I mean, he's the best. But, like, <laughs> I just mean... It's a significant holiday, but it's mm. not their most important holiday. Right. Uh, their most important holidays tend to be like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. which are right around when we're recording. Yes. And uh, I always think of you during Rosh Hashanah because the traditional foods are apples and honey. Mm-hmm. And I just think of like... That's why I'm not Jewish. Yeah, I always think of like, what would Noah have done if he had been raised Jewish? Like Died. <laughs> Uh, so, but like, I'm a, I have an apple phobia, guys, in case you're, you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about. But we talk, we talk to different kids, and, like, Jared is Jewish and has been bullied for it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the moment I want to build toward okay. that I was talking about here is there's a moment where they're like... You guys have too much in common. Because we're both Jewish? I'm Christian. Christian rule. Yeah. Jew crew. Jew crew. Yeah, Jew crew. No Christian. Jew crew. And they kind of turn it into, like, team sports. Yeah. Which, as an adult watching this, like, I remember you were kind of horrified. Yeah. By this. It didn't bother me because, like, they're children who don't fully understand their own faith yet. And that's not meant as an insult. It's just that, like, faith requires a bit of maturity and, like, understanding to truly, like, appreciate. Um what bothers me is knowing that a group of adults went up to them and said, hey, argue about faith for our amusement, and then yeah. went behind a camera. That's the thing that creeps me out about this episode. Yes. And it happens a lot, and it's real upsetting. And uh, they, 
the council proposes a religious service where everybody gets together and has a religious service all together. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pushback on this because nobody really wants to do everyone else's religion. Yeah. There's a, like, Sophia is, like, culturally Jewish, but kind of makes a comment about, like, how she's not sure she believes in God anymore. Yes. Sophia? Yeah. Do you think God put, her, put us here for a reason? God, I stopped believing in God a while ago. Do you think you were put here for a reason, though? No. Because she's approaching... Like, she's in her early teens. Where you start questioning stuff. Where kids are starting to, like, figure out what their faith is. And a lot of teenagers have that time where they're questioning or they move away from the beliefs they grew up with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex points out the similarities between religions and... He, he does like a little survey about religion later in the episode, but I wanted to mention it now because mm-hmm. this, I, we're not going to talk about Alex that much in this episode. He talks about like the difference between Orthodox and progressive Jews and like the difference between Sunni and Shiite Muslims. Yeah, he's got a lot of information for and a And he child. talks about like the Tower of Babel. And since people's beliefs differ, that separates them apart, even though they're friends in many other ways. I would compare it to the building of the Tower of Babel when everybody like broke apart and nobody could understand each other in all the different languages. Yeah! Because, like, <laughs> this child is nine years old and knows more about religion mm. than most adults. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's someone... He's precious. Meanwhile, someone else goes, you know, you got your Republicans and your Democrats the same way you got Hindus and Christians. It's like, that's a weird comparison. <laughs> But the council pushes that they're going to have a service this afternoon. Yeah. And that is the law. That That's what's happening. And it's Mike, evil cowboy Mike. Thank you. Who is really pushing this. And he is... I also think he probably gets a terrible edit because he is an unlikable little twit in this episode. It's tough when you're an evil cowboy. And so we get to that afternoon and... The council rings the bell for this all-purpose religious ceremony. Yeah, and people rebelliously ride pogo sticks to yeah. show that they're not coming. Oh, we see a montage of what everyone else yeah, is I'm doing. On a, I, I, I'd love to come, but I'm on a pogo stick. You know and, like, one of the girls points out that, like, no one here is really a preacher. Mm-hmm. So no one here has the right to preach religion. Right. And so we get to later that night, and a... Green team girl named Morgan, Mm -hmm. who's one of the older girls, kind of does what the council was trying to do. She's like, we're having a small service by the fire and, you know, no one's going to push anything on anyone. We just, we're going to all pray together based on their own religions. Mm -hmm. And we see Zach from the yellow team singing in Hebrew. Yeah, which is a, like, a very, like, moving moment. Because you see the kids kind of, like, taken aback. Because if you don't speak Hebrew, it's like, oh, he's suddenly singing gibberish. But, like, they respect the uh the, Yeah, we the see Anjay and... talking about his religion. We see, yeah. some of, we see some of the uh, Christian kids talking about their religions. Because there's, you know, Catholic kids and Protestant kids. And there's this moment where, like, Morgan really, like, has fixed this problem. Yeah. So it's very, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not the first religious service that they had had. 
Oh, really? There had been a small service for Easter. Were they there for Easter? Yes. Oh, my God. Um, And a few of the kids kind of threw their own small service for Easter. Oh. Because otherwise... And Olivia and a couple of the other girls bought a little... Spent their money on jelly beans so that they could have a little Easter. Oh. Yeah. These stories to me are crushing. Yeah. Like, oh... Because, like... Easter's such a family holiday. Yeah. And it was a big uh, holiday in my family when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like, oh my God, little Mallory didn't get an Easter basket. Yeah. It's like crushing. She didn't get an Easter basket or a birthday. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. This poor deprived child. Buy the book. Support these kids. Seriously. Who are legitimately still very young. Yes. Like they're in their mid 20s, mm-hmm. which is pretty young to have written a book. Yeah. Good for her. Uh, then we go to the yellow team having a seltzer fight. Yes. Because they're the upper class. They are not doing anything. They're actually creating messes for other people to clean up. Yeah. And Zach rebels. The little boy who was singing in Hebrew rebels. And he goes and is helping the green team with the dishes. Yes. I'm not sure if this is the episode where he tries to party everybody up to clean the dishes. Like, the dishes are, are, we're in desperate need for of help. That might be later, but Zach's cool. Uh, then we get the next showdown, and it's a puzzle. Yes, and I feel like they don't explain what they need to do. Like, the, I feel like we're just in the challenge. and like You put together a puzzle, and then you have to, like, raise it up. Mm-hmm. And then your puzzle rises up like a barn raising, and then yeah. smacks a bell. And when the bell rings, your team wins. I don't. I feel like it wasn't very well explained, but blue wins, then red, then yellow, then green. And Taylor is predictably terrible about being in the kitchen. Yeah. And I actually have the note of I think if I were on the green team, I would have gone home by now. Yeah, that kind of opposite worlds. Like I'm sick of being in the hole. Yeah feeling of like I don't want to do this anymore of like at this point every team has gotten to be a merchant or upper class except for green <laughs> and they win because all, all the teams complete the challenge mm-hmm. they win a mini golf course or a library of holy books holy books are a hole in one because he's trying to be Phil from Amazing Race yeah Jonathan you are not Phil from Amazing Race <laughs> You're lucky you were... Oh my god, my next note is you're not Phil. You are not Phil, Jonathan. You were so lucky you weren't around when we were doing the tier list. You'd be down in Luke Tipple town. You might be worse than Luke Tipple. Uh, the kids... Let's not go crazy. The kids, without controversy, choose the holy books. Which surprises me. Because, like... I'm surprised that you could get kids to pick books full stop. Let alone the hardest books in the world to read. I actually am not surprised by religion's been on their minds, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people, religion is comforting. Right. Like I still feel like I have not attended my childhood church in <laughs> years. Right. But like I still point it out to you every time we drive by it. This is true. And it's still like a place that I can see as something that was comforting and part of my childhood. Yeah, they're tearing mine down. Uh, But it's something that I could definitely see kids drawing comfort from. If a church is your community, uh, you could each have a personal item. Olivia had brought a devotional. Oh, really? So they were actually doing, like, 
devotional readings every night. Very sweet. Uh, but I think this shows like our different in perspective because you kind of think of it like, oh, they chose the comfort of the holy books. My reaction to it was mini golf was not that great of a prize because my thought was, ah, oh, mini golf. This is just going to give people something to do instead of work. My thought is uh, these either or prizes are not designed well mm-hmm. because I don't think mini golf is if they were trying to like show how pious and sweet these kids are, you need to put the library of holy books against something that would fill a physical comfort need. What I would have done... pizzas... By the way, like, this is horrible and they shouldn't do this. But what they should have done is giant chocolate bunny wrapped in gold foil. Okay, so like an idol. Yeah, they're like, it's, it's, look at this gold idol full of chocolate or the Bible. <laughs> it's terrible, but like the fact that they didn't do that, it's a shame. See, they're, they're probably sick of candy. I was actually going to make that point of candy is one of the few foods that has been available to them. Right. If you were really trying to tempt them, I would say it would be like the pizzas or mm-hmm. something that would fulfill a physical comfort need that they've been deprived of. Yeah. And that would make it like a real choice. Uh, so, so we get two two little uh, things here. We get Anjay really talking about his religion and explaining mm-hmm. Hinduism to some of the other kids. Yeah. And it it's kind of this really interesting moment because I know growing up, you knew other Christian kids... And where I grew up, I knew Jewish kids. Yes. Meeting anyone who was not Judeo-Christian really didn't happen until I was a little older. Yeah. Certainly didn't happen for me in Catholic school. So you kind of... A lot of these kids, this is their first time meeting a Hindu. Yeah. So they're kind of talking to him like, well, you have a you have a lot of gods? Like, how does this work? Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, Anjay explaining Hinduism. And the kids are genuinely like interested it's this very like it's kind of a nice moment like they're not making fun of Anjay they're just kind of like trying to understand right then we get we have to spend some time with Cody yes yes uh, because this is our last opportunity to spend time with Cody yes it turns out and Cody has a girlfriend Cody's nine Cody's nine and he's just like two days before I came to Bonanza City I got a letter from my girlfriend dear Cody I really hope you have a great divorce. We really miss you. I hope you don't get homesick. And he reads a little letter from his girlfriend and cries. And he's sitting in the saloon trying to drink his girlfriend. <laughs> he's just like upset. I think it's Greg who's like, here. Yeah, he's like, like Arky. <laughs> he slides over the thing of Rupert. He's like, thanks. And then... <laughs> And then I have a moment of, I put your picture away. Because <laughs> it just reminds me of an eight-year-old version of that Kid Rock song. Yes. I also want to point out, because I have this note, and I'm not sure what I'm referring to, but I'll try to find the clip. I just have, the fuck is this music written down? Oh, it might be when Anjay is talking. Because there is, like, the stereotypical Eastern oh, music. Oh, maybe that's what it is. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
like stereotypical like South Asian music. I'll see if I can find it and I'll throw it in here. Uh, but there's there's not it, Cody's not the only person with a drinking problem because they confront Taylor at one point who's sitting in the saloon and they're it's like. A community of a lot of the teams. Like, there's yeah, a- this is when the dishes are dirty. This is when Zach is trying to party everyone up. Yes, yes. This is where he's like, we got to do the it's dishes. It's the same Everybody episode, go. just slightly later. Just slightly later. And they go up to Taylor, and Zach's like, Taylor! Why aren't you in the kitchen? What? There's two yellow people in the kitchen. Why are you sitting around drinking shots? You haven't been helping. You've just been sitting in the bar doing shots. And I was like, of what? <laughs> what are they doing? I mean, they're, I guess, seltzer and like, shots. And she is sitting there, and there's like three shot glasses around her. I'll tell you when I've had enough. I was like, is she just doing straight shots of seltzer? Or what is happening here? Uh, Taylor is terrible and does not help. And then, and then, it snows. It snows. Is this episode? Oh my god. It, Fucking snow! It's so cold. It's so cold that it starts snowing. And like, let me tell you, the death of innocence is the first time it snows and you're unhappy. <laughs> like that's that's when you're like, oh, oh I've grown up. I'm a, like, I'm infamous for how much I hate snow at my job. Right? Like, because snow. I, used I have a phobia to, about driving in snow. Snow used to be magic is falling from the sky and canceling school. How incredible. The first time it's like, you got to go out and shovel. It's like, oh, oh, I'm going to eventually have to work and get a job and support a family. <laughs> the death of innocence is when you see snow and you dread it. So all the innocence of these 40 children, or uh, 39 at this point, yeah, is just crushed underneath the snow of Bonanza City. Because they're freezing. Episode four. And we don't talk about this a lot. They're always wearing, like, coats and parkas. Oh, yeah. Like, they, it, sometimes in the heat of the day, you'll see them in sweatshirts and jeans, but it is... It cold. It's still pretty cold. Everyone initially says no to Zach, but several of them do go on to help with the dishes. Yes. And then we get the gold star conversation with the council. Mm-hmm. Everyone puts up Zach to win. Yeah. And Taylor's furious. Of course. Because... Zach is winning, like, Zach is being put up to win Mm -hmm. because... He stands up to Taylor. (laughs) Yes. And the girls discuss Greg. Yeah, Greg is always in the conversation. And Anjay is, like, all for it. It's evil cowboy Mike who... (laughs) Hates Greg. He hates him. And then Taylor puts up Morgan, the young lady who led the uh, religious ceremony successfully. And so they they talk about these three kids, and then we get to we don't get a resolution, and we get to the town council meeting. Mm-hmm. They ask Jonathan asks who doesn't approve of the council. This time it's Olivia who stands up and is like, "I just don't approve in general, just because some of them aren't showing strong enough leadership, and the other ones are just not working hard enough, in my opinion." Listen, I'm tired of Sophia getting all the camera time. So I'm going to say it this time. So Taylor gets called out again. And then Taylor and Zach have an altercation in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. Where Taylor threatens Zach. And then he goes like, don't threaten me. Because yeah. she says. 
Which is a horrible thing, because not only is he threatening, is she threatening Zach, but she's putting down the green team for being filthy laborers. Yeah. Which is a thing that could happen to her tomorrow. And, you know, we want it to. Yeah, like, it's it's really bad when she says that. I find that very upsetting. Like, Zach does not stand down, though. Like, he no. is... He, Stays on his feet and argues back with her. Yeah, that's not what a leader does. And even Jonathan is like, Taylor, you said you were going to do better. Mm-hmm. And... He says, stirring the shit. So then we get the, is anyone going to leave? Yes. And Cody does. Let me tell you, when Cody raises his hand, I'm legitimately crushed. I'm like, Cody... No! You got a drink in the saloon. Yeah, we don't know. And I was just like, no, he's going to escape. Don't, like, (laughs) a lot of me watching this show is me getting wrapped up within it and then being like, no, don't fall for the trap. Cody, get out while you can. And uh, Cody goes home and I I will miss him. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a kid who's been, like a nine-year-old who's been away from home in miserable conditions for two weeks. Mm-hmm. The fact that only two kids have left by episode four is shocking to me. Yeah, and there's a phrasing that goes on here that I, I just want to point out because it's 2007. Is, if I leave, I will never see any of these people again. Yeah. And like, as kids in 2007, you think that's true. Yeah. And we know that like some of these people remain friends and write forwards for each other's books. But, uh, like, it is truly devastating to leave when you're this young. (laughs) There's also no opportunity to, like, exchange phone numbers. Like, you leave and you leave. Yeah. And I could totally see this, like... Because I I went to sleepaway camp as a kid. And even though I went to sleepaway camp with other kids from New Jersey, Mm -hmm. once you were left... You were never going to see those kids again. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told the story on Mike. I ran into a kid I went to camp with in my neighborhood five or six years later. And it turns out he had lived a town over the whole time. Yeah. And this like kind of ridiculous, like I had friends I saw on a weekly basis that must have lived further away from me mm-hmm. than this kid I sw- I was never going to see again. And these are kids all over the country. Mm-hmm. So these are kids like... There, there's really that feeling of like I've been battle forged friends with these other thirty eight kids, and I will never ever see them again. Mm-hmm. And other kids begin to cry, including Campbell, who is like Cody's friend, and everyone's kind of consoling each other because it's very sad when someone leaves. Mm-hmm. And then they award the gold star, gold star to Morgan. Yes. And I don't have any notes about Morgan's phone call. Nor do I. I don't think we see it. Did we not see it at all? Either we don't see it or there's nothing like super of note notable in it. in it. Which I feel bad about because like this was probably the highlight of her week. Yeah, because I, I have... The end of my notes is, Cody, no, please don't leave. And then a quote, I will never live... I will never leave life... Which is Cody proclaiming that he's immortal. <laughs> so that's episode four. Yes. I think we're uh, we're announcing something a little crazy. Yeah, we're going to try something brand new here on the show. So strap in and you, you may figure out what it is already by seeing how much time is left in the episode. 
We're going to do our first ever three-parter. Yes. The, we have a lot of information because we have Olivia's book and like there's the, the AMA and some other avenues that we are pursuing. So we really want to give this enough time. And also we're about two hours in and uh, we're going to do another three episodes and that was going to be another hour <laughs> at yeah, least. We wanted to get... There's multiple podcasts just about Kid Nation. Yes. Uh, so this is really a show that kind of benefits from being explored yeah. more thoroughly. So welcome to Kid Nation Month, guys. Yes, we're going to try doing a, a three-parter here. If you all hate it, let us know, and we won't do it anymore. But uh, this is just something we're going to try out with the format because we have a lot to say about Kid Nation. We do. So... Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. Hey, and thank you to our patrons. You can join our Plus Two Comedy Patreon over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And if you were crushed by the fact that Cody left the show, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you kind of just want to start a stuffed animal babysitting service with me, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed.